So now we turn to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Our reading this morning is from chapter 1, beginning at uh, the first verse, all the way through the 23rd verse. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him so that with the eyes of your hearts enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, and authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet, and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. This morning, as we are in worship and in fellowship with one another across the miles, I'd like to begin this time of meditation by asking you a question. I want you to think for yourself, how would you answer the question, you know, what is the church? What is church? We know that many people have 
answered and attempted to answer this question through the ages. Karl Marx said that religion, all religion, including the Christian church, is the opiate of the masses. Have you heard of David Silverman? He's the president of the organization called American Atheists. And he said that the Christian church is ridiculous, malicious, and unworthy of respect. And at the gym where my wife Kirsten and I work out, a young man who goes there about the same time we do every week told me that he thinks church is for weak people who really can't take care of themselves or think for themselves. And he said, you know, Bruce, it's good that people like you are willing to do what you do for a living. It's good that you have your job to help all the weaklings out there. I guess he's talking about you. <laughs> Today we're not going to worry about Karl Marx, who's long dead, nor are we going to waste any energy fretting about the attacks and the insults against the church by American atheists or atheists from any other nation. And as for that guy at the gym who thinks that church is for the weak, he keeps on asking me questions about God. Who is Jesus? He wants to talk about the meaning of life. So to paraphrase William Shakespeare from his play Hamlet, when I think of that young man, I think of these words, he doth protest too much, methinks. We will answer the question, what is the church, by going to God's word. For in the word of God there is truth, there is life, and there is saving power. In our lesson this morning, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, we learn several important things about what the church is. The church consists, according to Paul in verse 1, of saints who are called to faithfulness. The church is saints who are called to faithfulness. So the question, what is the church, should really be rephrased. The right question would be, who is church? That's important because we usually think of church as a building, don't we? A place, an address. People have told me these last eight weeks, I can't wait to go to church again. I miss going to church. I miss our beautiful sanctuary. People have asked me through my years here as senior pastor, Faith Lutheran, where is your church located? And I answer by saying 10,000 Spain Road Northeast, just up the hill from Eubank. I want you to think for a moment of your own home, where you might happen to be right now. A house, a condo, a cabin, an apartment, a loft. That abiding place, that home, is not you, though it certainly is a reflection of you. It's a reflection of your personality. It's a reflection of your tastes. It's a reflection of your preferences. And memories of life in our homes, whether large or small, are powerful memories. Think of all the things that have happened in your house. But that house, that structure is not you. 
that home is not your family. Same with this house of worship here. It reflects our faith, but this building is not church. You are church. Our grandsons were baptized here. Our family, like many of yours, has celebrated weddings here. And we've had so many funerals and memorial services through the years for people I know and you know and people we love. Their services have taken place here as we remembered their life and commended them to God's eternal care and keeping. In this house of worship, we have come to honor the lives of faithful people who have finished their earthly journey and now abide with Jesus, people we look forward to seeing again, as the Lord has surely promised. You and I, who are members of this particular fellowship called Faith Lutheran Church, have all kinds of powerful, evocative memories wrapped up here in this place. But the church, biblically speaking, is not this place. The church is people. The church is people of God. The church is you. In verse 5, we learn that these people of God, these saints, have been adopted by the Lord, by their Father in heaven, as his very own sons and daughters. Now, a saint is usually thought of as some extraordinary person who um, is better, more righteous, more holy than all the rest of us. Uh, we think of those who deserve sainthood because of all they've done or because of all that she endured. But friends, this is not how the Word of God divides a saint. For the sainthood we have in Christ is not bestowed on us because of anything that we've done. This sainthood, this status, if you will, is a gift from God based on nothing but His love and His favor and His mercy and His grace. And we saints have gone through adoption. Now think about adoption. Uh, parents freely choose to make a child or several siblings their own. They adopt them and, and bring them into their lives. And they do this because of love. And through the years, I've heard from many people who say, you know, I'm able to celebrate and I'm able to treasure the wondrous fact that I am twice adopted. Adopted once by my parents who, who chose me, who chose my siblings and me, who invited us into their lives, who made a place for us in their homes, who loved us as their own, and then adopted yet again by our Father in heaven who chose to make me his son, who desired to make me his own daughter. And so I want you to remember that. I want you to remember your identity. You are a saint because of God's grace, and you are a son or a daughter of your Father in heaven. And we also learn from Scripture that the church is the body of Christ. That's in verse 23. You and I are called to be Christ's body in the world, 
but not of it. We are called to be the voice of Christ, the hands and the feet of Jesus. We are called to be, we are empowered to be His living presence in the world. The Lord has given the church, and only the church, the responsibility of proclaiming the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And the church, and only the church, this people, only the church is called to lead others to faith, hope, and love by making disciples of all the nations. And that's an assignment that's been given to us until Christ returns in glory at the end of human history. Like you, I belong to many worthwhile organizations and associations through the years. You may belong to various civic and volunteer agencies that do good work in your community and around the world. Participation in these groups is a good and worthwhile endeavor. But no man-made group, no man-made organization bears the responsibility of being church, of witnessing to Christ, of glorifying God, of leading people to faith in Jesus, of serving the Lord in everything that we say and do. So, as we think about church, and as we're gathered here this Sunday morning, I know that many people have a, a question, a Sunday morning question. And before these COVID-19 days, and we were prohibited from gathering here in the sanctuary, the question is something like this. So, should we go to church this morning? Do you think we should go to church today? I know you know that question is often asked in many homes. But the real question, the faithful question, the question that is in line with the mind of Christ is this. Will we be the church this morning? Will we be the church? And that's a question not just for Sundays, but for every morning. Those folks in the American Atheist Organization make a lot of noise about separation of church and state. They have that freedom in our good land. But they will never win because the church is people, God's people, and God's people are everywhere. We cannot be separated from life in the public forum. We Christians, we adopted sons and daughters of a living God. We're everywhere. We are in laboratories. We are in airports. We are in schools and universities. We're in large corporations. We're in small businesses. We people of God, we saints by the Lord's doing, are in mom and pop grocery stores and hospitals. We are homemakers. We are in every neighborhood. God has planted us in every community. Karl Marx thought that the church is the opiate of the masses, and his followers tried to destroy the church, but they failed, didn't they? Because the church is God's idea, and the Lord has promised that not even the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, shall prevail against his church. 
It's God's idea. It's God's creation to give life and hope and purpose and joy to those Karl Marx called the masses. Marx is dead. But the Church of Jesus Christ is alive and well. And history has proven time and time again those who hold on to Marxism are the ones in reality who oppress the masses of God's people. And as for that young man at the gym, he thinks he can stay away from church because he's never visited this building here on Spain Road. And he tells me he's never visited any other church for that matter. But what he doesn't know is this. The church is right there beside him, lifting weights at the fitness center. Because Christians like me and Christians like you are right there beside him. We are everywhere. And as soon as these extreme restrictions have ended here in New Mexico, and we can go back to the gym, back to the church building, back to being the church. I know that I'll be right there beside him, pumping iron. And you will be right there witnessing to the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord that has marked you with the cross of Christ and sealed you with the Holy Spirit forever as God's beloved sons and daughters. May the peace which far surpasses all human understanding Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord this day and until we see him forever in glory. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.